morning to uh, worship together, and it's good to see uh, familiar faces, and uh, so it's uh, the blessings. I, uh, I think as we go through, uh, I guess the older I get, the more I appreciate uh, the, the special times we can worship together, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, to be able to worship and uh, not worry about uh, somebody breaking in and, and uh, telling us we uh, we're done something we broke the law by worshiping God. <laughs> that may come at some point, but I thank God that we still have that freedom, and, and certainly we need to keep praying for our nation as we uh, we think of all the things that we face. Um, one of the things that we do have is uh, to be able to have the freedom of worship, and that that's a blessing. And so, thank God for that. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm glad for certain books of the Bible to remind us of the things that we go through. Um, when you're getting hammered and you're struggling with trials and things that you don't understand, I think those are the, those are the times when um, it's hard to, uh, sometimes it's hard to, to work through those types of situations. And James, uh, I like the, the epistle of James is one of those books because he's a pastor. He, he's uh, pastoring the church in Jerusalem. Uh, the church there has been scattered because of persecution. Uh, people's lives are being disrupted. There's people that have lost jobs because, they, you know, they can't find a job because they're Christians, and so they've lost work. Uh, when you lose your work and you can't, you know, you can't provide, then certainly there's famine. There's all kinds of things that are happening in the church. And James is writing to a group of people that are, if you were to say, that they're getting hit pretty hard because... Not only are they being physically threatened, they're being financially threatened, they're being threatened uh, with uh, losing, many of them are losing their homes and other things. And so James is writing to people who, um, who are kind of asking the question, Lord, if I'm one of your children, why is this happening, right? I mean, isn't that really why we struggle? I mean, the, the hardest thing is going through a struggle and not being able to know why, right? I mean... Uh, let's face it, that's the question I think we all, we all ask. Uh, it's, it's the question that James's uh, hearers are asking. They're asking, well, why, why is this happening? And if it's happening to me as a Christian, then is God punishing me? Is he, uh, why is he not listening to, you know, providing for what I think I need at the time? And so James is, is, is he's saying, you know, okay, trials are going to happen. He's not saying if they happen, he's saying when they happen. You know, that's, I'm glad he put the when in there because if I said if, I'd say, well, wait there. Why are they happening to me and not the, <laughs> somebody else? Well, he's saying when they happen, this is, what's, this is what you should re- realize is that God is, uh, God is up to something. He's always up to something in your life and my life, and that's why James writes this book, because he realizes that God is using your trials and my trials to deepen our faith. To, uh, If you can imagine, it's, it's like God using that to encourage us in our faith and our walk with Him, to, to deepen our trust in Him. And that's what he says, count it all joy, my brothers. And you're kind of like, well, wait there. Um, is he saying rejoice in the trial or rejoice in what God's doing in the trial? And, of course, he's saying that we should rejoice in what God's testing of your faith is producing. God is producing something called steadfastness. It's called endurance, if you will. The word steadfast, endurance, uh, patience. Uh, some of your translations might say patience. 
Uh, but he's saying that that's what God is doing. He's developing Christ-likeness. And um, don't you wish it didn't hurt so bad sometimes? <laughs> You're like, Lord, uh, I want to be like Jesus, but do you, that's a pretty rough edge, apparently, because I keep going through these trials in my life. But, but God's, God's intent because intent on doing that. He's intent on that because he loves us so much. And so uh, when he says that, you'll notice in verse 5, and I, we're going to jump down to verse 9, but I want us to kind of pick up on the context. It says, and if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So the first thing that we do when we're going through trials is we ask people to pray for us. But we also, James says, you also need to ask God for wisdom. And now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to understand why the trial is there specifically, but one of the things that you will learn in that trial is that you'll learn that Jesus never fails you, right? I mean, most of us could say, I don't know why I went through this, but I do know that God is faithful and that I can trust and I can depend upon the Lord. And so James is saying, let, let every man ask of wisdom. But when he asks for wisdom, he says, don't ask. Um, ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. So what kind of wisdom does God give us in the midst of the trial? And I think he gives us three answers here. He gives us three specific things that he uh, chooses to remind us of that help us through the trial. And the first one he gives us, I think it's in verse 9 and 10, is when he talks about our circumstances. Because a lot of our circumstances dictate how we react. I mean, think about it. And so notice, uh, I, I used to wonder why he put these verses here. But I believe that he puts them here because these are the areas where I think we sometimes struggle the most. And uh, notice verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Now, some of you might have uh, that let the poor brother, because uh, he's talking about um, wealth and poverty here. And then, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. And so notice what James is saying. He's talking to brothers. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to us. He's saying now, he's saying remember when you're going through a trial to remember that you have an identity and that that identity isn't attached to your stuff. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Your identity is not attached to your stuff. And he's talking about riches, poverty or riches. Regardless of your financial or your socioeconomic situation, your identity, your gospel identity is so attached to Christ and who Christ is and what Christ has done that you have to, you have to kind of remove yourself from thinking that, wait there, if I'm going through, um, let's say I'm going through financial struggles, that is not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. And because he's saying here, look, if a brother is, you as a brother who, or sister in Christ, if he's saying if the lowly brother should be boasting in something else, his exaltation. Now, I thought, well, what, what is he exalting in? Well, he's exalting in the fact that his identity is in Christ. I mean, the gospel does something beautiful, I think, in a, regardless in a church with all kinds of different 
backgrounds and so forth, is that it, that it levels the ground, doesn't it? The ground is always level at the cross. We all come to Jesus the same way. We come as those who are what? Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We come as those who are meek, for theirs is the is what? For they shall inherit the earth. We come on level ground at the cross. The gospel levels the playing field. And, and that's what James is saying, that as we go through trials, remember who you are. Because the world out there is saying, look, if God were blessing you, then he should bless your bank account. Right? If God is really blessing you, then he should, you should be living in that home, not that home. <laughs> you should be driving this car, not that car. You should be eating this and not there. You should be visiting this restaurant, not that one. <laughs> you know, it, it, the, the world is trying, I mean, doesn't it infiltrate everything that we, we see? I mean, think of the commercials that we watch on television. What do they say? If you really want to live it up, then you have to eat at such and such. You have to wear this. Um, and it's interesting, the more wealthy people are, like whether you're Bill Gates or whatever, and nothing wrong with riches in and of themselves, but isn't it interesting that those people always want to tell us which car to drive? <laughs> or what to do, or where to go, and you know what, what's, what's good for us, and we're kind of like saying, well, wait there, God is telling me who my identity is, and my identity is always attached to something much higher, and it's attached to my relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Paul, what James is wanting to do, and he's kind of like Jesus here, because Jesus is, remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus had several half-brothers and several half-sisters. And what he's trying to do here is he's, he's using a lot of uh, familiar language as he's teaching the people about what's important. And, and notice James is written about probably in the very early days of the church. And so the church isn't as sophisticated theologically as they were when, you know, when you write, you read Romans, what do you do? Man, this is hard sledding. <laughs> you know, Paul's talking about justification, sanctification, adoption, and all these other things. Well, James is just coming down to on the, the level where everybody is, and they say, look, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, that's what it means in, your, in, in the way that you view your trials. Never allow your trials to dictate your relationship, how you're doing with Jesus. Because that, that, be, that can be too dangerous. It's, it's a dangerous, a slippery slope, if you will. But notice what Jesus also is doing here is he says to the rich brother that he should glory in something else. That, that word there, um, boast, we say, well, people shouldn't boast. Do you like boasters? I don't. You know, somebody's boasting about, you know, I'm king of the hill. Or, you know, and you're kind of like, well, just wait till you fall. Uh, but, you know, but, but the Bible says we shouldn't boast, but yet that tells us that we should boast in the right things. We should boast about Jesus and our relationship to him. We should be able to boast in those things that, that really are not superficial, that are something that I can depend on. And, and he's saying that the rich man can boast in his humiliation, not in his wealth, but he can boast in the fact that he, he has seen in his life that money will not buy happiness. Not only a relationship with Jesus Christ will do that. And that, by the way, is, is probably the biggest struggle that we all go through, isn't it? If we don't have the wealth, we covet it. And if we do have it, we want more. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just, it's that human nature. And when Jesus, remember in the, in the Gospels, he said, beware of coveting. And that's, uh, he doesn't say beware of, of other sins, but he does say that to, to even, um, he says it to his disciples. Remember, he says it even to the rich young ruler, right? Why did the rich young ruler reject Jesus? He didn't want to give up something that his treasure, and his treasure was, look, my identity is so attached to my stuff that if I get rid of that, I have no identity. I have no standing. I have no, I have no, no one would look up to me and say, that person has really arrived. And, and so James is saying to this, to, he's just basically going to deal with this in more detail later on in chapter 2, but he's just saying, look, what the gospel does is it levels the playing field. So that as we look at people, what do we see? Does that person have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not? And if they don't, it's an opportunity to share the, one, the most richest, most great message that you and I have, and that is to share the news that Jesus saves and that he redeems. The ground is level at the cross, and I thank God for that. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that's, that's the beauty. Um, there's an old story that's told of Alexander the Great. It says that when he, he had conquered the whole world and he wept because there were no more worlds to conquer. And it says when they buried him, he had his hand sticking out of his coffin just to show everyone that had thought he had, he had done so much that you can't take it with you. Isn't that amazing? That even he understood that. Now, he was, I don't believe Alexander the Great was a, you know, he, he definitely wasn't a believer that as far as we know, but he wanted to say that, uh, to say that, look, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So, Jesus, so what James is doing here is I think he's saying that when you're going through struggles in your, in your life, whatever those struggles are, don't evaluate your relationship with God based on your circumstances. And... Um, that's been my hardest struggle in the Christian life, right? As soon as you get through, you get one trial, and, you count, and, you need, and then you get hammered with another trial, and you get hammered with another trial. What's, man, why is God doing this to me? And uh, James is saying, because he loves you so much. And you're going like, I wish he didn't love me so much. It's, it's hurting. <laughs> this, is, this is causing me to, to, to really struggle with who I am. And, and what God wants us to do is attach your identity to who you are in Christ. See, the temptation of wealth is this, is that we think that wealth will buy security. And yet my security is in who? It's in Jesus Christ. It's in God, isn't it? it in other words, riches, uh, you know, this, this one basketball star I was reading about, he was demanding a bigger contract. He was disgusted with his one-year contract. It was only $14.6 million a year. And so uh, when the reporter asked him, well, why don't, why don't you just try to help your team win an NBA championship first and then worry about getting a better contract? And he says, why would I want to help them win a title? They're not doing anything for me. I'm the one at risk. I have a lot of risk here. I've got a family to feed. And you're going like, okay, $14.6 million? <laughs> I mean, most of us would think, okay, that was probably more than I'll ever make in my whole lifetime. And this guy's complaining about $14.6 million a year. And I'm going like, and he's thinking that everyone should feel sorry. And you're thinking that like, there's something not connecting here. 
<laughs> There's something not connecting. See, the temptation of the wealth is you need more. But notice what our true motivation has to be. Because James, so James skips from your identity in Christ. And he says, this is where your treasure needs to be. Where's your treasure? What is it you treasure? I remember uh, someone asked me, well, what, what do you treasure the most? Well, at the time, when you got five kids, you says, well, other than Jesus, this is my treasure. <laughs> you know, my kids are my treasure. And, and that certainly is true. But notice what James says in verse 12. Blessed, or you could translate this, how truly happy is the person. That, that word blessed is all through Scripture. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, Psalm 1. Or Jesus said, blessed is the poor in spirit. But the idea is how truly rich and happy a person is. And notice this, what does he say? Is the man or woman, when he uses man there, by the way, it's man or woman, who remains steadfast or, in other words, steadfast or endures under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So he's switching gears here, isn't he? Where's your treasure? What is, it, where, what is it we value the most? And he's saying the thing that we should value the most is the fact that we have something called eternal life. And it's given to every person that loves Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus this morning, that's, that's your treasure because your treasure is Christ himself. There is no, this is not saying, uh, notice it doesn't say, well, Everyone, only certain people who stood the test will receive the crown of life. You know that every Christian receives a crown. It's called the crown of life. You, thought, you know, some people think, well, you know, certain people are going to get crowns. I, I'm just going to be happy if I'm there. Well, if you're there, you've received a crown. Because <laughs> the crown is not a physical crown per se, although it does say cast your crowns before the throne. But, but it's, it's, it's a way, it's a figure of speech basically saying your crown is eternal life. And everyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ has eternal life. Now, isn't that motivating? That every Christian receives a crown? Why do they receive a crown? Because they, they, they have trusted Christ. They continue trusting Christ. And when we get hammered with trials and difficulties and struggles, we don't throw up our hands and say, I'm done with the church. I'm leaving the church. I'm, it's, it's, it, that's, that's past. We keep trusting, we keep resting, we keep saying, Lord, I don't understand it, but I still believe that Jesus is my Savior and Lord, right? That's what perseverance is. Continuing in the faith is just saying Jesus is everything. I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to cry because God has me in His hand. Therefore, He's going to enable me to keep on trusting, keep on resting, keep on believing despite all the circumstances around me, despite all the things that seem to just, you know, when you're hurting, your flesh is hurting, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Is it hard to endure? Struggles? Well, of course it is. You're in the hospital and you, you're, you're at, I remember Chris uh, twice, I've lost, you know, she was bleeding and they were saying she's losing blood faster than they can put it in. And I was going like, uh, Lord, I really need help right now, <laughs> Right? I mean, you're saying, what, what's happening? I, I have no control, but I, but I know that the only one that can help is the Lord himself. 
See, blessed is the man who endures testing. In other words, you're saying, well, why is God doing this? I don't know, but, you know, I know that he understands. And that whatever he's doing, he's doing it for my good and his glory. Even though I'm yelling, Lord, that hurts. <laughs> Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, you're fighting the good fight of faith. You know, when you're fighting the good fight of faith, who are your enemies? The world that tells you what you should think. The flesh, which is saying, ouch, it hurts. And the devil. And the devil is saying, if you're, one of the, if you're a child of God, why is this happening to you? And all three of those things are coming at you when you're going through a trial. All of those things are a part of the, what James is dealing with here. He's saying, look, when you're going through that, blessed are you as you continue to trust that your heavenly Father has your best. And you're going like, but it's hard. <laughs> That's not what I want. And God says, I know it's not what you want, but it's what you need. And I'm going like, yes, it is. I don't understand that. But he doesn't ask me if I need to understand it. And so what's the temptation for us? The temptation is this. If God prepares the test for you, then when we fail to trust him, who do we blame, right? <laughs> Who's at fault? You know, Adam and Eve in the garden. Somebody thinks that Flip Wilson invented the phrase, the devil made me do it. I think Eve invented that. Because what happened? God comes to Adam and Eve in the garden, and Adam says, wasn't me. It was the woman, and you gave her to me. <laughs> and then what does Eve say? It wasn't me. It was the serpent beguiled me, and I took the fruit. So, so the temptation in verse 13 is that I'm going to look for somebody to blame. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So when I fail to trust God in those situations, and by the way, does, do we have anybody in the Bible that didn't trust God, that at times failed to trust God? Peter <laughs> denied Jesus three times. Uh, did Abraham ever fail to trust God? Lied about his wife twice. Uh, tell her you're my sister because <laughs> I'm afraid. Uh, all those great men and women of faith that we see in the Old Testament, and we're saying, well, certainly there's somebody that didn't falter in their faith. But what did Jesus say to Peter? Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith fell not. You know, so we struggle, we fail, but what happens? We tell our children when they fall down, what do we do? Get up again. That's what it means to endure. It's just we keep, we keep, we keep trusting. We keep, we keep going. And we're saying, well, Lord, I, that's not, it doesn't make sense to me. And yet God is a God who's gracious and caring. And he's always saying, not only get back up, here's my hand, I'm going to do that. He's called the God of encouragement and endurance. By the way, uh, Romans 14 says, the God of encouragement and endurance. So here James is saying, endure the trial. Guess what? Lord, I need you because you're the God of endurance. 
I'm glad we have a God of endurance. <laughs> Not only does he endure my struggle and my, my failures, but at the same time he gives me, he strengthens my faith so that I get back up. I keep on keeping on. I, I keep on trusting. The, the crown that he gives is not a crown that I earned by my, by my strength. It's a crown that's given to me by grace. You know, sometimes we get, we get confused about this thing. About Think about it. If, if somebody is just serving you because they're looking for you to give them something, is that genuine love? It is and isn't. But who, does, who, who endures? He says he gives the crown of life to those that love the Lord, those who love him. And love is, is really the, 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 you know, the, the greatest expression of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's just saying, Lord, I love you. I don't, and because you first loved me. So, so notice this honesty that he's talking about here. The, the gospel honesty is this, when I sin, I acknowledge it. But I also realize, notice that God, in verse 18, and, and this, is, this is the part I really love, is that God gives good gifts. See, my sin will always lead to death. I mean, he even says that here. Notice he says, do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes, from, comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. So when we're going through a trial, we can be honest and say, Lord, I struggle, I sin. But in that, in that process of being honest with ourselves, we, then we can be honest with God because God gives everything that's good. And the one thing he does give is eternal life, and he does it freely. It's a gift. You didn't earn it, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it, you don't deserve it. Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay for that so that we could receive the crown of life. You know, so, so where's the motivation here in our trials is saying, everything I have I've received as a gift from God. I can't sit around and brag about, well, you know, I did this. Lord, you should look at that. That, that deserves something, doesn't it? And God says, no, it doesn't. You know, the, 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 beauty, about, the beauty of this passage, I think, for, for James is just saying, look, how did God bring you forth that when he, so his greatest work it began when he saved you. And that work, it says that he who began a good work in you will what? He'll continue that work. He'll keep loving you. He'll keep giving you grace. He'll keep bring, because he's going to bring you home until you're in his presence. And James wants us to see how, how determined God is in your trial. He's determined that you will receive the gift of life. You're saying, but, but sometimes I just, I give in. I get angry. Do you ever get angry and say something you shouldn't say? And you go like, why did I say that? <laughs> I mean, you know, or, you know, or somebody points it out and you said that and you go like, well, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. Well, okay, it's hard to, it's hard to admit that. And yet that's what James is saying. He's saying, look, God gives good gifts and because he gives good gifts and he, and he saved you by his word of truth, which is the gospel, by the way. And so the big first big test is how do you hear the word of God? Take heed how you hear the word of God. And that's what he's going to do in the next section. We will, we'll have to look at that the next time. But the point is, is so, so what James is saying is that this is how we endure trials. Number one, I mean, number one is 
what? Our identity is attached not to my stuff, but to Christ. That's the first thing. Secondly, my treasure is Jesus Christ. That's something I can't lose. Thieves can't break in and take that. The, you, know, you know, I can't, it's not going to rust. It's being preserved by God. And thirdly, he says here is that we can be honest about who we are, but we also can be honest of who God is. He always gives what's good. And I can always say that. I mean, you say, you know, and I know several people here have said that. I've, I've heard this is that God is good all the time. All the time, God is what? God is good. He gives good gifts. Fight the good fight of faith. You're being kept by the power of God. And your identity is in Christ, and nobody can change that. And James is saying, when you go through trials, that's the wisdom you need to get through, to endure, to keep on keeping on, to never let go, because God won't let go of you. Isn't that a beautiful, isn't that the beautiful, that's the gospel. (laughs) In a nutshell, it's the gospel in a way in which we could say, Lord, you deserve the glory, not me. You deserve to wear the crown, not me. You deserve the crown of righteousness because you are righteousness. You deserve the crown of life because you are eternal life. And so uh, as as you go through and I go through trials, I have to come back to this text constantly and remind myself who I am in Christ. Nothing can change that because of what Christ did on the cross for me and for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I know sometimes we get so focused on our trial, and I know I do, that I forget that, uh, Lord, my identity is not attached to my stuff, not what I drive, not what I wear, not where I eat. But, Father, my identity is attached to one thing, and that's you. Lord, thank you that the ground is level at the cross. What a beautiful thing that is, Lord, that we come to you the same way. We come as, uh, as poor and needy. But, Father, we always find that you're ready to provide because you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name.